to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, and welcome to Natural MD Radio. This is Dr. Aviva, and if you're new to the show, welcome. I hope this is a special treat for you and you become a fan and listen in regularly. If you have been here before, welcome back. It's great to be back with you after a little hiatus. You know, sometimes I just need to hit the pause button and think about what I am bringing to the world in a space where there's so much noise that we all have to sort through every day. It's so important to me to not just add more noise, but to really bring information, insights, and inspiration that elevate my listeners, elevate you, I hope. So I hope this episode is one of many that continues to delight and bring insights and information to you. And we are celebrating episode 80 together. I don't know why, but eights, maybe it's the infinity sign, but eights always feel like a great number to me. So episode 80 feels like we're just kicking off something new and wonderful together. For this this episode where I am going to talk with you about our lady parts. You might not want to have little ones around who you might not want to have them hear this information yet, or you know, you're listening in company that might make you feel awkward. Go ahead and get that company tucked where they can be getting age-appropriate information and entertainment, or hit pause and come back. And when you can listen in a really more relaxed, intimate environment without wondering who's going to repeat words that you might not be ready for them to repeat yet. So welcome to May I Introduce You to Your Lady Parts. I have a little bit of an unusual background if you haven't picked that up from following me on various media outlets so far. I was already studying to be a midwife by the time I was 15 years old. So by the time I was 19, I was midwifing my first home birth. And so I had been doing pelvic exams for quite a long time in my early life and getting really familiar with lots of women's wonderful and beautiful lady parts as a midwife. And of course, the first step to being really compassionate and understanding about what we're doing with, for, or to someone else as a practitioner is to be familiar with our own parts. And so for me, I had my own first peak down there at a pretty young age. I think we've all peaked by the time we were probably five or six years old, but the intentional look when I was probably about 15 or 16. And for me, it was such a revelation to say, wow, I mean, like just someone the other day wrote on my Facebook page that, uh, or in my blog, that they had to explain to their daughter that they actually have three holes down there, not just one or two, right? We, a lot of us have a lot of misinformation about what our parts and bits are, what we call them, and what, what functions they can perform. So what I'd like to do today is help you get comfortable with something that I have really found to be such an incredible privilege, which is to help women in their life get more comfortable with themselves, with their bodies, and feeling more empowered about the language they use and the care that they receive from their gynecologist or midwife or doctor. And even it can really start to 
trickle down to so many aspects of our life, including our sexual relationship and our sexual pleasure. So there's nothing that's going to happen in this episode that will be freaky or weird or scary. And there's no requirement to participate in anything that you don't want to participate in beyond listening. But I invite you to get comfortable, sit somewhere where you have some privacy and have a listen. If you have never checked out your lady parts, that wouldn't be too unusual and certainly nothing to feel awkward or ashamed about. In fact, a study from the Center for Social Health Promotion at Indiana University says that only about 26% of women have ever taken a closed look. Another study found women with a positive view of their genitalia were more comfortable in their body, more likely to be comfortable with sex, and, <laughs> drumroll please, more likely to have orgasms, which is a plus if you ask me. Given that a lot of our lady parts are tucked under several layers, it does take a bit of curiosity to get comfortable with what's going on down there and familiar with it. But once you do, I hope and think you'll be amazed at how awesome your body really is. But don't worry, again, you don't have to do any peeking to learn about your body if you're not ready for that step. Just have a listen and enjoy the conversation. So first, let's start with some basic terminology. Most women have a variety of terms for referring to our lady parts. One term, for example, when we're chatting with our girlfriends, another for answering your kids' questions when they ask you how babies are made and other such things, another for when you describe what's going on down there to your gynecologist, and yet another most likely for when it's pleasure time with a partner. Some women use a term from childhood, often colorful language like their flower. An iris seems to be a particularly popular choice that I've heard amongst my midwifery clients and their young children. Or a peach is another one, maybe familiar to me because I spent a lot of time practicing as a midwife in Georgia. There are some common polite terms like down there, or cool terms like vajayjay or cooch, or simply my box. There's also the more sexualized slang like pussy or muff. And of course, the raunchy or sometimes even insulting terms, ones that I would actually prefer not to use, that are more likely to be hurled at us than used by us. Whether it's a discussion about menstruation, vaginas, or sex, too many women learned, in my opinion, at a young age to not speak about certain things. So much so that most adult women actually do not know the correct anatomical names for all their incredible body parts, or that some of their parts are even down there. Some of you, like my grandmother, who could never talk about lady parts, periods, or sex, might prefer to avoid talking about down there altogether. And that's okay. But knowing your body parts, what they are, their names, and what they do when things are going right can be tremendously empowering and can actually be life-saving when something is going wrong. Not knowing the proper names for our anatomy can not only reinforce shame that is so culturally built around our lady parts, it can also make it difficult for us to discuss important topics like menstruation, vaginal discharge and infection, sexual health, and possible lady part symptoms 
even with our doctors. This can lead to a lot of us not getting our health concerns properly addressed. I've had many patients over the past decades who had a diagnosis that was missed by a previous doctor because they were too uncomfortable to use their words or didn't have the words to use or felt awkward bringing it up to their doctor, especially if that doctor happened to be a man. And believe it or not, men and women doctors are also equally uncomfortable bringing up lady part conversations with their patients, and that can lead women also to get diagnoses completely missed. So let's keep talking about lady parts. So one of the things that there's a very common misconception about is where the vagina is. A lot of women use the word vagina to refer to everything south of the border, but that's actually incorrect. Your vagina is not everything that you're able to see down there. In fact, your vagina is just one small part of what's going on down there and it's hidden. What you see when you're standing in front of the mirror naked, your external genitalia, what's on the outside, is collectively called the vulva. Some ancient cultures have worshipped the vulva as a symbol of sacred feminine power. And the origin of life in Hinduism, for example, the word yoni, is represented as an inverted triangle and is attributed to the female goddess of power, Shakti. Your vulva includes a number of different parts. One of those parts is called the mons pubis, or erotically called the mountain of Venus. This is the fleshy pad that you see about six inches, give or take, south of your belly button when you're standing up and looking down toward your feet. If you don't shave it, it's covered in pubic hair. The labia majora, which literally mean outer lips or big lips are exactly what they sound like, and they create a protective covering for the sensitive parts beneath them. You can see the parts above just by standing in front of the mirror or sitting with your legs closed together and looking down. Both respond to stimulation, and moving them also stimulates the sensitive clitoris, which we'll talk more about in a minute. Some women can actually see the labia minora or the inner lips when they're standing up or sitting with their legs together because on some women, they're actually quite drapey and longer than the labia majora or the outer lips. Other women, though, will need to spread their legs a little bit or even gently move the outer lips apart to see the labia minora. Of course, you're welcome to do that, or you can look online for pictures, and I'll tell you where to do that in just a little bit. Labia minora literally translates as small lips, and these are just inside the labia majora, and they can either be hidden or can actually visibly extend below. Contrary to their name, they're not always that small and are one of the parts that women and young teens, in fact, sadly, who have looked at their parts and don't like them very much or think that they're abnormal, even seek plastic surgery for. These lips are different than the outer lips and the mons pubis in that they have no hair. They're pink and loaded with blood vessels and nerve endings, making them sensitive to the touch and stimulation. Each woman's labia are remarkably unique. Some are longer, some are shorter, some are thinner, some are thicker, some are even more ruffly than others. 
These more fleshy structures that I've just described do the job of protecting the structures that are hidden behind them. The ones that are hidden behind them are also part of the vulva and include your clitoris, which is located just below where the outer labia meet at the top and is covered by a hood or prepuce. It's about the size of a pencil eraser on the surface, but don't let that small hidden appearance mislead you. She's a sensitive powerhouse that runs below the surface with over 15,000 nerve endings. This is the only body part with the sole job of providing pleasure. And it actually swells with pleasurable stimulation and it connects with all of the other structures in the genitals. The urethral opening is a heck of a lot less sexy and the common name for it is called the pee hole. As Ina May Gaskin, the midwife who uh, wrote Spiritual Midwifery said, let's just call things what they are. We call a fireplace a fireplace. Let's call a pee hole a pee hole. And if you're looking down there, what you see, if you follow your eye down from underneath the clitoris, is a tiny little hole, and that's where urine comes out. It's located between the clitoris and the vaginal opening. The introitus or vaginal opening is the next hole down. So of the three holes there, your urethra, where your urine comes out, your vagina, where babies come out and menstrual blood comes out and tampons and other things that you might use for pleasure or enjoy or people um, enter. And then the one hole below is your, well, if we're sticking with Ina Mae Gaskin, I guess we'd call it the poop hole or your anus. So let's see, the introitus or the vaginal opening is right between your pee hole and your anus. And so if you've ever used a tampon, you know exactly where that is. That's where the tampon goes into. In that area, there are also small secretory glands. Secretory glands just mean that they are actually secreting or producing and releasing different enzymes, uh, fluids. They keep the pH of the whole area uh, in the right balance. They keep that area lubricated and they produce different chemicals that also help to fight infection. The small secretory glands have very unsexy names, Skein and Bartolin, named after the gentlemen who put their names on them, basically. Not necessarily the legacy that I would want. Okay, so where is the vagina then? Well, the vaginal opening or the introitus is the hole that you see, but extending up behind that is a narrow tube that actually lies compressed when there's nothing going in or coming out of it. And that tube ranges in length in different women from four to seven inches long. So think about the size of about a lip balm at the three to four inch length and a mascara at the longer length. The word vagina has a really interesting origin. It's Latin for the word sheath, as in the kind where you park a sword. I probably don't have to spell that one out for you. So while it's the anatomically correct term, it's not actually my favorite word because of those origins. I don't think of my vagina as a sword holder. So I use that term when I'm referring to body parts medically or communicating with you so we all are on the same page, everybody knows what I'm talking about, but I personally prefer the word yoni, hearkening back to that sacred word that I mentioned earlier that is uh, meant to depict or describe women's sacred power. So 
vagina when you're talking to your gynecologist because unless she is a very cool or he is a very cool educated gynecologist who's studied Eastern religion, that person is probably going to have no clue what you're talking about if you say you're yoni. So the vagina is a muscular tube and it extends again about four to seven inches long and it ends in a cul-de-sac where the top of the vagina meets the uterus or the womb. It's really a very fascinating kind of connection. It really is like a cul-de-sac at the end of a, well, at the end of a one-way street in a neighborhood. And so if you were looking in there, you would actually see a long tunnel and then Hanging down into the tunnel is the end of the uterus, which is called the cervix. That's the opening. So that's where when you ovulate and then have your period two weeks later, menstrual blood comes out. If you have an IUD put in, it goes up through the cervix into the uterus. And if you have sex or artificial insemination, I guess would be an option too, then you would, uh, the sperm go up that hole into the uterus and actually travel up toward the fallopian tubes where the goal is for them to meet the eggs. So it is the opening and it's the lower third of the uterus. The uterus is kind of shaped like a balloon. And so if you imagine a balloon and the balloon has that neck, the part where you, you know, you blow it up, the part where you would blow would be like the opening of the cervix called the os or os and okay this is a totally true embarrassing story but the first time i ever opened my first macbook that i ever owned it was around 1992 or 3 and it went on and it flashed on and the first thing it said is mac os and I said to my husband, this is the coolest thing in the world for a midwife that when you open your computer, it says us and it's like the portal to the universe of everything I'm going to write and create. And he said, babe, it means operating system. That really did happen to me. So even though the vagina is very able to do all kinds of incredible tasks like stretch to 10 centimeters to let a baby's head out and hold tampons in place and, you know, very quite functional in so many ways. Don't let that task-oriented description lead you astray. She's also made for pleasure. The first few inches of the vaginal opening toward the outer side are also filled with hundreds of nerve endings sensitive to movement and to pleasure. And then about two inches up inside the vagina on the front side, so toward the upper part, toward like the direction that your pubic bone and your belly are in, there is something called the G-spot. You've probably heard that term before. And the G-spot is a collection of nerves and tissue that's super sensitive to stimulation, especially stroking and pleasure. So if you've heard about deeper orgasms and female ejaculation, that is where that stimulation uh, really gets quite intense for many women and can lead to that phenomenon. Never experienced it, no worries, but you know, there's always time to learn more about your body if that's something that you'd like to explore. All right. So I mentioned that at the upper end of the vagina, your body does this nice transition into that cul-de-sac, and that's where you find the cervix. And if you have had a hysterectomy, it's actually possible that your cervix was left intact. So you might have a vagina with a cervix at the uh, upper end of it, 
Or if you had a total hysterectomy and that was taken out, then what happens is the top of the vagina is sewed closed. So it's imagine like this, if you were pulling on your turtleneck, you could still pop your head through it. But if you had had a hysterectomy and the cervix was removed, it's like the top of the turtleneck is sewed closed. And so it ends in a kind of, um, yeah, like the end of a tunnel. It just ends right there instead of continuing on. The cervix is really very cool and very fascinating. It actually changes location because your uterus moves up and down depending on where you are in your cycle. It changes shape and it has to accommodate a baby's head coming out if you're having babies. And the quality of it actually changes throughout the menstrual cycle. It can go from feeling as soft as your lips when your lips are relaxed to as firm as the tip of your nose, depending on what hormones are influencing it and where in your cycle you are. All right. So now is sort of where the rubber meets the road. I'm going to give you instructions on how you can take a peek if you want to. You can be your own private eye. And if you don't want to, that's totally okay. But I hope you'll keep listening because I think it'll still be very informative. Now, I was once at a birth and as the woman was about to push her baby out, the midwife who was assisting me said to the laboring mom, wow, you have a gorgeous vulva. This midwife was just outrageous. The things that she would say were so surprising and yet so cool and awesome. And she said it as if she were admiring like this perfect sunset or like, wow, you have the most gorgeous vulva. It was one of those statements that you just don't ever really expect to hear. And it was kind of in this very poignant moment. And the midwife was so earnest and so kind about it that the mom, who was between contractions and I, both just completely burst out laughing. And it's so true. She did have a beautiful vulva. But then again, we midwives, we're a specific lot, and we do think that vulvas and vaginas and cervixes and uteri are completely amazing. All right. So if you're feeling adventurous at this point, hang in with me and maybe at the end, if you want to do a little self-exploration, you can. If not, you can always listen again. And if you want to just get the instructions, you can look at the link below this episode, which will take you over to my website and a written article called, May I Introduce You to Your Lady Parts? So you can always fast forward to this part of it where I start giving you the instructions. Okay. If you're adventurous, and you want to have a look at what's going on down there, it's totally safe. And I think you'll be really amazed at how cool it all is. Again, if you're not ready for this step, totally cool. If you are, maybe when you stop listening or yeah, you could take me along with you on the journey. I've been there before, not with you, but with thousands of women. Pour yourself a cup of tea, half glass of wine is totally legit. If you're a wine person, turn down the lights in a room in your house where you have some privacy. It can be your bedroom. It can be the bathroom. You can run a hot bath if you'd like to do this in the bathtub. Turn down the lights. If you feel like it, light some candles. Make this a sacred experience for yourself. Grab a flashlight. The one on your smartphone will work just fine. And have a hand mirror uh, nearby, something that's, you know, if, if you have a, any kind of mirror that you can grab and kind of fit between your legs to have a peek, that's going to be really helpful. 
kick off your shoes, hop on your bed, hop in the bath. And uh, if you don't have a hand mirror and you have a floor length mirror, you can do this in front of a floor length mirror too. Just create a cozy nest of pillows in front of it for your viewing comfort. And if you like to journal, have your journal and a pen nearby so you can make some notes on what you experience, how you feel. You know, some of us like to chronicle our lives as we go along. I do not recommend Instagram for this. However, not a good chronicle. So what you want to do is start with your legs closed and have a look. You'll see your mom's pubis, uh, you'll see your vulva, maybe you'll see your outer labia, maybe if you have longer frillier ones, you'll even see your labia minora. And so just have a lean back and then slowly when you're ready, if you're going to have a, a, a more inner peak, bring your feet together toward each other and let your legs drape out onto the floor. That's the easiest position. Of course, you're in your bathtub, you can lean back and open your legs. Make sure to do not touch any electronics. I do not want to be responsible for any shocking experiences. Now, another way that you can do this is if you're supple, you're a yoga person, you can actually squat and put the hand mirror under you on the floor and have a look that way. That gives you a great view too. That gives you kind of the midwife or OB or gynecologist view. Now, you can choose whether you want to have brighter or more dim lighting. The latter creates a softer, more artistic feeling, and the former, brighter lighting, gives you more of an exam feeling. It's totally up to you how you want things to look. And if you want to do this in the shower, that's a whole other option. Just take as much time as you need or want to. You know, take at least a minute to check things out and take longer if you would like to. If you've never seen your vulva or never seen any vulvas, I think you're in for a big treat because they're amazing. And also I think it's incredibly liberating. When I was uh, midwifing home births, this was many, many years ago, I had a client who was this absolutely lovely, incredible woman. She grew up in a fairly strict and conservative and religious home. And certainly talking about her lady parts, let alone exploring anything, would have been completely ver verboten, that would not have been allowed. And she would never, it just would never have crossed her mind because to her that would have felt just like a very disrespectful thing to do to her beliefs and philosophies about women's bodies. Women's bodies were not clean, not sacred, not holy, and really were just meant for reproduction. So she married a man who um, was a very kind and lovely person, and they had been married for three years, and he had never seen her naked, ever, ever, never. And she had barely looked at herself naked, and she was pregnant. They got pregnant in the dark. And now she was in early labor, and she called me on the phone really, really freaking out. All the contractions that she had at like super, super early labor were terrifying to her. And she was so afraid to experience any sensation down in that part of her body. 
So I got to her house and when she called me on the phone, if any of you who are listening are midwives, labor and delivery nurses, or um, OBs, anybody who works around women giving birth, you've probably had the experience where you can have a woman who is very early in labor, who is really scared and really experiencing a lot of pain, who's vocalizing a lot, freaking out a lot, to the extent that it can sound like she's so far along in labor that she's about to push, right? She's really making a lot of noise. And I think over the years, you learn based on a lot of different body language and um, many, many different subtle signs and obvious signs who it is that's early labor and getting really scared and who it is that's about to push their baby out. And my uh, my intuition was that it was the former. And sure enough, when I got to her house, because I flew there, basically like drove at top speed just in case it was the latter, I sure enough discovered that she was one centimeter dilated, maybe maybe a little more and really losing it as if she were completely dilated. And we talked for a long time and I massaged her and I made her tea. And what came out was that she was just absolutely terrified, not only that her husband might see things going on down there, but that things were going to be going on down there. So I told her this. I said, you know what? The baby has to come out one way or the other. You know, cesarean is certainly an option, but I don't recommend that as an elective option. You've got so much opportunity here to birth your baby naturally and without intervention, but I think we're going to have to get you comfortable with your lady parts. And I offered to work with her to do that. And she said, no, I'm going to be okay. What I, baby was fine. You know, I listened to heart tones. Everything was good. I lived about a half hour away. And she said, I'd really like to kind of just do this on my own. So I carried a hand mirror with me in my midwifery bag and I left it with about a, probably about a 10 inch by eight inch hand mirror with a handle uh, at one end that you could hold up and, you know, have a pretty good view. And I encouraged her to go in her bedroom, shut the door and get comfy with herself. And she did that. And she called me back about maybe an hour later, said she was feeling much better. The contractions had slowed down. She, you know, she was really coping well and, um, never told me whether she did the lady parts exploration, just never said anything about that. I didn't ask. And she went into this beautiful, gentle labor, had her baby maybe about eight or 10 hours later and birthed, she birthed sitting on the edge. Her, so her, her husband was sitting on the edge of the bed and his feet on the floor. And she actually gave birth leaning against him with her legs draped over his thighs so that he was actually acting like a birthing stool with a full length door mirror behind me. I was there to receive the baby. And so she, she literally watched herself. I would move aside. She literally watched herself push her baby out. Her husband watched everything and it was incredible. She came to my office for her two week postpartum visit at that 
point when I was practicing home births, I would do a one-day visit, a three-day visit, a seven-day visit, a 10-day visit, and then at two weeks, they would come back to my office for a follow-up. And she walked in and she sat down and it was like, she was this different person. She had a spring in her step. She was really relaxed. She was transformed and empowered. And she said, you know what happened? She said, I just got down there and I looked at everything and I touched everything and I realized I am beautiful. So I just, you know, had to share that story with you. It was such an incredible transformation for me as a midwife to have that woman just blossom like that. And I hope the experience of you seeing yourself maybe for the first time is also empowering. If you are even a little more adventurous at some point today or down the road, you can also, if you like, feel for your own cervix. It's totally safe to do. It's like inserting a tampon without an applicator, except instead of inserting a tampon, you're inserting your finger. And what you do is you put your finger into your vaginal opening and then into the vagina and you just reach in until you hit a hard stop and you're going to either reach something that feels a little mushy like your lips or pretty firm like your nose and if you feel around it's got a wee hole in the center of it and if you've never had a baby that hole is going to be pretty small and round if you've had a couple of a few children it could actually feel a little bit more like a horizontal or vertical narrow slit it's pretty incredible I feel incredibly blessed to have seen so many different vulvas, yonis, been at so many births, and witnessed the incredibly gorgeous power of what we can do as women. I believe that we're all works of art. Remember, vaginas, vulvas, bodies, we do not have one appearance, one size, one, you know, there's not a one size fits all going on down there any more than there is any other part of our body. There's a huge range of variation in shapes, sizes, skin colors, tissue coloration. Some women are more pink, some women are more rosy, some women are more pink with a little bit of a purplish tinge. There's such a variety of what we see when we actually look. And there's so much that's different that's still perfectly healthy and normal. The awareness that women at all body ages can become empowered and more self-knowledgeable by learning more about our bodies is growing. And I'm so excited to see that. There are also now quite a number of websites that offer complete galleries of pictures of vulvas and even cervixes too. The labia library is one that you can look at online and it features pictures of vulvas from women of all ages and ethnic backgrounds and from a couple of different angles. The website also contains anatomical drawings and information about reproductive health. There's also the book that I first learned from. It's called A New View of a Woman's Body, and it contains great photos that show the variety and shapes of women's body parts. Looking at galleries of vulvas, you'll quickly realize that the variation of what is normal is tremendous. And it can be, I think, really just quite liberating to know that it's all normal and it's all beautiful 
And this awareness can go such a long way to help women, to help you embrace the uniqueness of your body. When it comes to your lady parts, knowledge is power. Body literacy, knowing the correct names for all of our body parts, has the power to bring us to a greater self-acceptance and appreciation of our bodies, and it can help normalize this language and with it, women's sexual and reproductive health. Of note, I just also want to say that body hating is a really big deal, including not liking our vulvas. There's been a huge rise in the popularity of genital cosmetic surgery in the last decade, including amongst teenagers who want things to look differently. The surgeries are expensive and carry risks. And while I certainly make no judgment on any woman who's trying to change her self in any way, and certainly if you have body parts that are uncomfortable, irritating, or getting in the way, I really understand that. But I want us to just have an understanding that what you see and think might not be normal, might actually be very, very normal. And looking at other pictures can help you to recognize that and possibly get a lot more comfortable with your body. Because real images and conversations about women's bodies are mostly kept out of the public, most women never see what a vulva looks like. Or if they do, it's in something like pornography, which presents a very skewed, manicured appearance, and it can lead a lot of us to feel inadequate or dislike our bodies. I hope that as you have listened to this podcast episode, perhaps as you even begin to explore your own lady parts, I hope that we work together to dismantle the taboos in our culture by encouraging a broader and more in-depth conversation about our bodies so that we can reverse negative trends and instill more self-love in ourselves in the women we know, and in our daughters. So I hope that this episode has not been too weird for you, that you've really enjoyed it. And if you have, or you know someone who you think would really benefit from listening, please make sure to share the episode with them and hop on over to iTunes and leave a good rating because as you leave good ratings, other women hear about the podcast more readily and it can really help us change the culture for women that we're all living in. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for episode 80 of Natural MD Radio and I'll see you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.